everybody's jaded. Everybody feels kind of like heroes are has-beens. Nobody wants to deal with the heroes. The age of bravery is kind of like people looking back on the 50s in the States and thinking about how much better a time it was. Every time people say that, like, we know what they mean, but when you actually ask the question of, like, what would it be like to go back, it would suck for a lot of things. So this is sort of like the same thing where after an entire era of heroes and adventurers stirring up tons of trouble and, like, kings given manifest destiny beliefs and all this other jazz, it's just led to this world that's torn apart by war, greedy kings who float on lofty titles and the names of their forefathers. It's just a shitty place to be. So how common are adventurers and heroes in the world? I would say at this point in time, if we could say there's a common year where like the campaign would sort of begin, I would say they're prevalent, but not super prevalent prevalent like it's it's a job people do but it's generally reserved for people who are either really good at what they do and they're sort of given like it, it almost reminds me of like the samurai where it's like towards the end of the of the samurai being i guess relevant like that bushido belief system mm -hmm. there is sort of the end where people saw them as almost esoteric like it's a it's a time in the past where people used to think it was all about getting paid in gold to go slay a dragon but now the world is different and you do better by hanging out at the farm working a craft becoming a master of that sort of thing rather than going and being i don't know living a terribly dangerous lifestyle so i mean it, they could also be sort of like the pinkertons in this whole thing where originally they sort of had like bringing law to a lawless land and sort of were brave and heroic and then became the fantasy equivalent of union busters working for corrupt politicians and stuff. You know, that would fit in line with sort of the decay of everything else that was heroic and brave. Yeah. Watching sort of the decline of what... Now they're mostly just thugs, almost. It was beautiful about this idea and, and just... I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but what's nice about this is how many historic examples we can come up with that are kind of like the same thing. Uh, another one that comes to mind is the idea of, like, pirates and how, like, the Spanish Navy or the English Navy and how, like, when those things sort of became a little bit irrelevant, all these sailors who were trained to do, like, you know fight and sail ships all of a sudden we're out of work and had nowhere better to go so they basically just became the bikers of the sea and in the same regard i mean air force pilots after warfare like usually come home want to go fast go do cool stuff with their bros so they open up bike shops and that's how you got your first biker games was just uh, biker gangs was just i don't know war vets who had nothing better to do and just i don't know opened up a shop did what they did with what they knew so this explains probably why we would also have like how common are adventurers? I imagine we'd probably have a lot of evil adventurers, too. And we'd probably have this weird world where there's, like, mercenaries are almost their own class. It's almost like their own economic status. The cast of, like, being an adventurer, a mercenary. You know, I know that they would be an occupation, but I like the idea that there's people who, like, I don't know, live a lifestyle that fits that. That I you could be part I, of, I like, a family they were, clan they probably, of adventurers. like, big adventuring guilds not like one localized adventuring guild that has well, yeah. the quest board and stuff but like literally like adventuring clans or adventuring right. guilds or and that's what i'm saying like they're essentially like merchant companies and like they've sort of become bloated and like it's tough to get work as an adventurer if you're not part of one but it's also hard to get into one if you don't have any experience it's one of those fucking horrible things so you end up having to intern with an adventurer carrying his bags around and getting dragged through all the traps and they're like now nah, this room's safe check it out 
Hey, what's neat about it, too, is the idea. It almost reminds me of, like, just using the example you gave of, like, almost a squire. And the idea that being a knight usually meant or that you were from. Or I mean, squire. <laughs> I prefer the term squire. That's what it says in my, uh, my uh, curriculum vitae and my uh, uh, resume. But anyway, um, what I think is neat about that is it almost reminds me of, like, the knight class from, like, medieval history and the idea that, like, if you were a knight, you probably came from either nobility or you came from some rich fancy home that has a lot of renown itself so the idea that a lot of adventurers who still get around and get like some ability to be an adventurer are probably rich enough anyway that like even if they're out of work it wouldn't make a difference it's almost like this kind of like made-up job title that people have when they want to go do something awesome in the name of their history or their family or their legacy whereas a lot of people out there are still trying to make ends meet by doing this line of work that's dangerous but you might be able to make a killing doing it you know what i mean no pun intended um, but one thing I do kind of dislike about this, and I know you mentioned before about the guilds and, thing, and things, I like the idea that there would be a few of them that maybe monopolized on this idea and like almost become like the Walmart of mercenaries, right. but I don't like the idea that all of this work has turned into that. I like the idea that instead that it's sort of just like a lifestyle people pick up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a prevalent lifestyle. But again, it's like you you will go through your life and probably meet three or four of them. It'll almost be kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example, but none come to my head immediately. So I'm just going to dip on that one. But I, I like the idea that, like, because too often when we start a campaign, people have to kind of explain where their family went. But I like the idea in this campaign that, like, <coughs> To become a mercenary, to live the mercenary lifestyle is sort of almost like expected of a lot of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the fact that adventurers would come together for a common cause seems like super feasible because that's just a natural way of life for people. But, but it's, it's almost the preferred occupation for the third and fourth son and so on for noble families. Like the first one would inherit the estate, the second one would marry into another family, and the rest of them would go on to become mercenaries and win renown for the family name. Yeah. Or just, I was going to make a political joke, but I'm pulling out of it. <laughs> but I I, uh, I think that that's a good idea. I, I like the idea that, like, I don't know, it's a line of work that a lot of people don't take pride in. And that being an adventurer is almost, I don't want to say a lowly status, but that's why I bring up the caste system. Right. It's not that people look at them and frown or, like, think that they're gross or something like that. But it's like, you look at them and they're not really a person. They're like just a mercenary like you recognize that they're walking around knowing they could die tomorrow on their next job and for that reason it's like looking at people who just could be dead tomorrow you know what i mean like you're walking around in like i don't know in er i don't know in the in this i'm trying to think of a good way of putting it but i'm at like a loss for words in this episode but i like the idea that people almost look at them like dead bodies walking you know what mm-hmm. i mean the idea that like don't get close to one of these guys because right. they'll either break your heart because they're just a drifter who's i don't know probably a bad person or even if they are a good person living that kind of lifestyle is not gonna it's not for the kind of people who want to live to the age of 30 you know what i mean and i like that kind of meat grinder feeling that comes along with it yeah i mean almost almost like like um an untouchables cast well that's exactly that's what i'm hitting at but yeah and the idea that it's like people recognize that they're there but the whole point is that they don't recognize that they're there. Right. It's like a necessary element of their society, but most people just kind of look at them and think, again, like this is like some historic thing walking around that's super unnecessary. It's like seeing somebody who has a freaking rotodial in their house. Like, yeah. this I, is literally here just to be here. 
And I think probably the adventure, like the big Walmart-esque adventuring guilds kind of help with that because they really scaled back the personal interaction between someone like looking for help and the actual adventurers who will do the job. Yeah. And now, <laughs> so like it's so impersonal and like informal for like you to request adventuring work that like it ne- you never really even think in your mind like oh yeah the person I'm hiring to do this may just be dead because I specifically <laughs> asked him to do this because you never even seen the fucking dude. Like, I, you it, know it's so just removed from itself you know this might be just because i've watched the mandalorian quite a bit in the past few days but i'm thinking about how this company is either the walmart company that we're talking about of of, of adventures i'm thinking to myself either the people who are employed are all very professional and that's why they're part of this group they're like very clean cut it's almost like a religion to be part of this group Mm -hmm. and to like make a living doing this like there's no room for somebody to slack off there's no room for bending rules and I kind of like the idea that rather than them being sort of like, I don't know, almost being like a cult in a certain sense, right. that it's like doing the job is, I don't know, like a way of life to the point that like any room for error is almost sacrilege. You know what I mean? Like screwing up on a job is something like, that you should not come home afterwards. Right. It's it's better to die trying it than to come right. home right. and say you fucked up. I mean, there could even be a whole class of adventurer that are the kind of people who failed a job. Right. And the idea that they're, like, not to be trusted with that kind of work anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I do think that this begs a question, before we run out of time on this one, but, like, I do think this begs a question of why, like, what would be the case for the world that this sort of mercenary class even fits in? Like, what would be the case for local governments, militaries, guards, like what would be the case for the security of the general population that a mercenary class would even exist? Right. Or is this sort of like the idea with knights and guards, where it's like knights belong to, like, I don't know, like they go off on political events and they do political affairs in the same way mercenaries would do, like, special jobs, on only special jobs. Yeah, I mean, maybe the way to look at it is, like, most kingdoms don't have standing armies, so, See, but, like, I don't like that. Because, again, if this is a class of people that are kind of disregarded or, like, treated as being kind of eh, could you imagine having your entire military being, like... It almost makes me think of... Well, like, I wasn't going to say they hire adventurers for the military. I, oh, okay. I, I was, was say, very there was, like a, there was actually, like, a thing where, like, adventurers don't get drafted into military service. So most kingdoms don't have, like, a standing army and instead draft from, like, the peasantry and then they have, like, nobles who will lead them and do all that stuff if there's ever like a wartime event where they have to go to war with another nation but for stuff like monster control or keeping anything but the most main of roads clear clearing out monster dens stuff like anything like off the beaten path or specialized work that is that falls on adventurers and out of like the government jurisdiction and more into private affairs see that but i think that what we're butting up against when we talk about it that way is the world almost being too defined in my book yeah because i think if there's a whole like bridge of government that takes care of employing mercenaries for that sort of thing i feel like i like the idea more so that like and obviously this is going to be a kingdom by kingdom basis that this will be the case i could imagine certain kingdoms almost outlawing mercenaries in the first place you know what i mean yeah whereas other ones might have a standing military literally like a mercantile system where they just hire adventurers to act as military but i like the idea that like you know again like you said like 
mercenaries won't be enlisted. They'll probably dodge, you know what I mean, if, if there is a draft or something like that. But they're also probably not even citizens to any place because they wander. But I, I like the idea that, I don't know, like there is the common folk who become the military, and then there's these people who, when the king absolutely needs to hire somebody or figures it would be cheaper or something like that to risk a hiring of a mercenary, yada, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um... But I think that that's neat. I think that that makes for kind of a pulpy background for characters. But then it makes me wonder about things like paladins. But I think that that almost... It, it almost feels like being a mercenary is titling at that point. Where it's like being a mercenary class person. Like you could be a paladin and not be in the mercenary class at all. Right. And you just deal with people in the mercenary class because you have to in your line of work. If you're on a hero's quest to go do something or other you might have to work with mercenaries to get the job done. You know what I mean? And I like that idea. Because I also like how that kind of like rubs grit on things by the idea of having to work with these kinds of people. You know what I mean? And much in the same way, I guess being like a... I don't know. Do you think it makes sense that there would be a lot of mercenaries who just... Actually, I'm kind of really... I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm letting this kind of like stew in my head, I like the idea because if you're a, like a good mercenary you're probably going to only hang around in places where you do good jobs or do jobs for no pay. Right. If you're a neutral mercenary, you're probably going to hang out in places kind of like, I don't know, Tatooine to do the Han Solo thing where it's like if they got the coin, you can smuggle what you have to do. And if you're an evil person, you probably just hang out in evil places and do bad guy jobs like every assassin you've ever seen in a movie ever, right? Right. So I think that's really neat. I think that that kind of takes care of a lot of things. Again, the chaotic side of the of the coin for alignment being that if you're a mercenary who knows that there's more money to be made if you don't kill the monster, when you get to the monster's lair and they say, listen, I know your mercenary is sent here to kill me, but I'll pay you double if you <clears> leave me alone. A chaotic character would probably do that, whereas the lawful character would be like, nah, man, I keep true to my word, but this is how the mercenary class stays alive, is by being true to our word. Right. Right? But then the chaotic character is probably saying something more along the lines of, I survive by picking the higher-paying job, because this is not a career that's going to last forever. Right. It's either you save up enough to retire by 25, or you're dead by 30. Damn. Yeah. I feel like there would be something cool, flavorful for, like, a name for these kinds of people. You know what I mean? Mercenary, obviously, is a, a good word, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, yeah. But in any case, I think we're good to move on to the next one. Uh, the next question is a completely different one, but what is your world's biggest secret? And obviously, this is going to play off of what we talked about in the last episode when we talked about magic. But, um... I was thinking about this a little bit earlier when I first glanced at this one, but the idea of the world having a secret is kind of interesting because it makes you wonder, like, who actually knows the secret. Right. Like, because if somebody knew about it, it's not really a secret anymore. So, like, is it just something nobody knows? Is it something that only the gods know? Is it something only a privy few know? You know what I mean? Right. So I guess when you hear the question of what the biggest secret in the the world's biggest secret, like, what, how do you interpret that? Yeah, I guess the first it's thing, tricky, right? Yeah, the first thing you have to think about is, like, sort of, well, how far up the chain does it go? And yeah. then... <laughs> the world's biggest secret, like, I never paid Ryan back five bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you, if you're not going to start at the very top and it's not going to be something that just the gods know, maybe it's something that only the a select few noble families in every kingdom know, mm-hmm. and then 
you need to come up with a justification why maybe the gods wouldn't even know about it, which can lead to some interesting ideas and stuff. It's like, well, why would these mortals know something that, and only a select few of them know it, that no one else knows, not even the gods above them or any of the people below them? Just pull a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and the mice are actually the fucking ones who run the planet. Yep. <laughs> no, but I, I do like the idea that you could keep a secret from the gods, especially if you do something kind of like Lovecraftian style, where like, you know, the, the otherworldly beings outside of the universe are the ones who push the, the wheel, you know what I mean? Yeah. But one idea I had, and I want to roll with it, and I mentioned it to you before we started recording, but the idea that the world's biggest secret is that the dragons we mentioned from the last episode who came through the, you know, the dimensional portal, what if they're actually from the future and they suspect that they're going to a different dimension to save themselves from whatever it is that in the future exists? And so maybe they're almost like a time loop that was created at one point so that it could continue recycling itself. Like, the dragons are the only way that this could happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones who have the magic to get themselves back. So the idea that somebody created the dragons, knowing that they would have to go back until somebody fixed some error that would eventually happen along the way. You know what I'm saying? Which is deep. But I think a cool way to make that work is to suggest... What if the gods, because we talked about them on the Pantheon as well, that slowly they go into decline. What if when the gods go into decline, they kind of just go into, again, that like slumbering state, that state where they're almost like retired? Mm-hmm. Like they exist, but you can't, they don't have deific power. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't influence the world. You can pray to them, maybe get answers, maybe get miracles, but it's so rare to have a, a passive god do anything. What if they're the only ones who know? But because they're passive, they can't do anything about it. So the biggest secret is just, like, I don't know, like a a person with no voice screaming. Like, it's like they want to tell what it is that's out there, but they have no ability to do it. You know? So I think that that could be kind of neat. So what the biggest secret is, I don't know. It's hard to say because I like, I don't know. It makes me think that maybe the most important part of the biggest secret is the fact that there's, like, a setup for whatever the secret is. You know what I mean? Right. Rather than actually have the answer what the biggest secret is. Right. I like the idea that maybe the secret could be something like there's a certain person in time or the relationship between that evil god in Diamond and the good god in Diamond. Maybe there's something about those two that should not be or should be and somebody has to eventually in the timelines stop it. And that's why the dragons were pulled in in the first place was that so somebody could use magic to do a thing right. to stop that. I'd say maybe... Because if it's going to be a time loop, then the whole idea is that it's just going to be repeating itself. So there has to be one variable that's different every time that, like, gives it a chance to actually, like, get through the loop. Like, solve the loop. So the thing that changes every time maybe is the most recent god who ascended. Well, that, that, that's what I was getting at, too. Is yeah. Like that that that's, god was that's not what... supposed to be the one right. to ascend, but because they had to stop the evil god, they had to be like, uh, fuck, and just froze them both in diamond and were like, that was not supposed to happen. We need to find a way to stop this before it can happen again. And they just basically made that time loop because they already had dragons you know, available, the magic was there, and they just keep hoping every time this comes around that a different person will be selected to become the new god instead. Right. So that the evil guy can survive it, so that yada yada yada. 
that's kind of neat. I like that. Yeah. Especially because the people who would have made that decision would have been gods in decline. So whoever's supposed to be the next god, nobody could ever know except for those people who couldn't tell us anyway. Yep. Which renders it kind of a moot point. But I kind of like that that's what the secret is. The idea that there could be an entirely different timeline, but we'll never get there. Because the people who know can't tell. Yep, just stumbling through as many failed timelines as it takes to get to the one that actually works. That's really neat. Especially yeah. if there's somebody who doesn't change in the timeline. Right. Like if there's one person, <laughs> just one guy who's like, okay, we've already lived this day before. They're like, Jerry, why do you keep talking about that? I mean, it, would, like, it would have to be like a beholder <laughs> or something, right? So it's even cool more if, fucking nuts than no, normal. Mind flayers. Mind flayers. Oh, they mind have the flayers. elder brain that never forgets them, <laughs> yeah. right? And they just have this long continuum of like Where, brains and that And then you end up having like mind flayers trying to help just because they're like, no, we're not doing it again. You have so much backed up on the cloud right now. You have no fucking clue. But like... <laughs> Doing it in like a very mind flayery way, where it's probably not actually that good, but like they're yeah, like, well, no, the we're trying to help. Again, it reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when you think about the fact that they could make a second Earth that got destroyed if they just put the main character into a blender and just make like brain soup mm-hmm. and just make the planet Earth out of his brain soup again. But he's like, um, I don't like that planet. <laughs> the, the mind flayers are like, listen, we could make. Everything go back to normal. We just have to kill humanity, and they're yeah, like, we, "Uh, we just have to completely <laughs> consume all of humanity, and that'll break the loop." It's like otherwise, you will be stuck in the worst age ever known, and it'll just keep looping on this, and it'll just be an eternity of pain and struggle. Like, why would you rather have yeah. that than just hit the reset button and have a world that's much better in the end? I like that. Yeah, that'd be fun. But then you have to ask the question: Did the mind flayers create the dragons then? Because who would have been there originally to know that it was going to happen? So they're like, oh, fuck, we gotta do something. We gotta make magic. I mean, I'm kind of cool with the idea that the Mind Flayers are trapped in the planet somehow. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, we need to get the hell home. It's like, so how are we gonna do it? Like, uh, well, we're gonna need magic, because this world can't handle what we've got. So let's create magic. And then maybe the Elder Brain's like, wait a minute, I need to calculate for 30,000. This is just the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's and instead of mice, it's mind flayers. <laughs> just mice flayers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I dig it. And I like the mystery that hangs out behind it. And the fact that we don't know all the answers. But yeah, I mean, if you're cool with the ending on that note, I'm really cool with the ending on that note. Yeah, I like that. I think that's funky fresh. Well... Anybody who's still listening to this weird uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, reboot fanfic, uh, thanks for listening. This is the Young Grognard saying DMs. Appreciate your players. Players appreciate your DMs. Go ray, go roll a nice, sweet, juicy 20 for me. And, Ryan, you got anything you want to plug before we go? Hey, wait a minute. Whatever happened to Sabrina the Teenage... Is that... Is that... Is that done? Wait a minute. So... New episode. <laughs> On the 24th, season no. 3 drops on Netflix, everybody. So, wait, wait, January? Oh, clear your calendars, baby. We're, we're fucking counting down the days. I don't like how relevant that oh, is. Oh, I've been, I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting. Alright. So we're, uh, we're officially on Sabrina Watch 2020. I'm out of here. Alright, goodbye, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>